All right, so with that said, let's jump into our sermon. Just with the person next to you, if you can ask him this question and just kind of share together an answer, is when was the last time in your life you were genuinely excited about something? Like you were excited about something that was about to happen in your life. Can you think of something and just share with the person next to you? Go ahead. Don't be shy. Yeah, if you have something. All right, anyone have something you're like, that's amazing. I need to share that with every single person in this room. Uh, Anyone? Okay, that's fine. Okay, I will share you with my, maybe, I don't know, maybe for you. Maybe it was your wedding day. And if you guys, someone's like, no. Sounds, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe it was the night before you're about to have your kids or you're driving and you think to yourself, man, this is going to be amazing. It's going to alter my life like crazy. I'm just so excited about that. Or maybe it was like buying a new home, right? It takes so long to find the one you want. You buy it, you're in escrow. You sign the papers, you're in inspection, and you're just, ah, the whole time you're like, oh, and then you can finally get the keys and you're about to move in. And you're so excited about what's coming. Mine's none of those things. Um, not that I wasn't excited about those things. But my recent thing that I kind of think about is actually, because I'm a foodie, I remember one of my uh, church members telling me about this place called Captain Jack's. You guys know where that is in Sunset Beach? And he said it's the best prime rib and crab legs you can find. I mean, you might as well just, those are like my two of my top three favorite things in the world, right? If you had sushi in there, I'd be like, dude, I'll never leave, right? So anyways, this is the cut of prime rib that I ordered. And what they do is, it's crazy. So I asked them, can you cut it in half? Because I, there's no way I could eat that. And then they go back and then they'll just even sear it for you. So that the top part and the bottom part is just crispy. It was like butter. And then you know how like you, you talk about how good it is as you're eating? We were doing that the whole time. I was like, can, do, you, do you taste this? This is crazy. And then you take another bite. Is this real? Like, like, what's going And then this is the crab legs, and it's even better than the prime rib. And I, I'm not kidding you. The picture doesn't do it justice. They're the size of my three fingers, each leg, because they're king crab legs. If you like crab legs, this is the place to go. So one of my brothers at church, he's, I'll just say his name, David Muno, and he's one of the worship leaders. He said, you know what, Pastor John, you and the staff, I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm going to take you guys all out for dinner here. So for a week, I was so excited. I mean, I'm not even kidding. I was on Yelp. I was like looking at pictures. I was like, I'm going to order that. I'm going to order that. And I mean, I was getting fired up. And so I, you know, I got there. And this, I mean, literally as we're eating, this is the best you've ever had, right? And we're having this conversation. Amazing. The reason why I wanted you to kind of think about that and to kind of get the sense of the excitement that I had is this. Because this is where we find the people of God this morning. They're right at the mouth of the Jordan River. They're about to cross into the promised land. For 40 years they've been wandering. And God has finally said, you are going to go in. Can you imagine the excitement? Yes? Thank you. They were, imagine waiting for something for 40 years and finally realizing tomorrow is going to happen. 
there's three movements. So if, you, if you're taking notes, you can take a look at that sheet. There's three movements in this passage that I want you to follow along. The first, you're going to see the excitement because of God's promise. Because God is promising them that they're going to go in. So there's an excitement. The second thing you're going to see is the reality of the Jordan. And we're going to talk about what that actually looks like and what that means. And then the third thing you're going to see is what our focus should be when we face our own personal Jordans in our lives. You guys with me? Yes. Uh, you know, this morning we didn't have coffee or something. Um, you guys with me? Yes? Okay. Thank you. So that's where we're going. So the excitement that I want you to feel is because of the promise that God gives them. So this is point one. So if you look at verse 10, it says this. <clears throat> then Joshua said, Here's how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. We'll talk a little bit more about what the Ark of the Covenant is, but just kind of keep that in mind. It's very important. Of the Lord, of all the earth, is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. That's the promise. How exciting. Because God is literally saying, every enemy, every eye you face, they are done for. They're jacked because they are going to lose against you. You are granted, promised victory. And you're about to cross the Jordan River. All you have to do is take the ark before you with 12 men, one from each tribe, go into the river. The river will miraculously split, stand on one side, stand on the other, and you will walk through dry ground. Confidence is rising. Excitement. Can you imagine? Like, God is calling us. God has given us a vision. This is it. What we've been waiting for, God is leading us. How many of you guys can relate with that? Getting excited because God is leading you somewhere. God is opening a door of opportunity. And it's about to happen. You've been working so hard and you finally get that call for the job that you've been working so hard for. Or you've been trying so hard to have kids because you believe God has called you to be wonderful parents. And you finally find out that you're pregnant. Imagine that excitement. Imagine thinking about God is calling me to the missions field. Or God is calling me to a certain ministry. And you finally get through seminary, the worst years of your life. You study so hard. You get out. And then God finally gives you that position. And you're like, God, this is it. We are finally exactly where you want us. And you guys can relate. I can. I sure can. I've had so many moments like that in my life. Where I was like, God, this is it. I'm so excited. You have promised and I'm following you. But, point two. This is very important. Their excitement and their confidence dies down really quickly. 
because of the reality of the Jordan. What is that? If you look, look at verse 14 and 15. These are the two verses that are right after our passage. It says this. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now check this out. What does it say in this? You read the next sentence? It's very important. It has a little kind of a footnote. It says this. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. You're like, what? What is that? Must be important. Well, it is. Because most of the time, the Jordan River looks like this. Scott, if you could show it. It looks like this. It's about 40 feet wide. Very mild. I mean, to be honest, if you're kind of decently strong, you could probably walk through. But what does the Word of God tell us? They're not crossing when it's like this. When are they crossing? When it's harvest season. When it's actually flood season. Where the waters are overflowing out of the banks. And all of a sudden, when it's usually 40 feet, like most of the year, they are coming to the river when it's what? Commentators think that it's about a mile wide. And currents can go up to about 40 miles per hour during the flood and harvest season. So can you imagine, all of a sudden, you're so excited, you get to the river, and instead of seeing this, you see the chaos of the torrents rushing before you. The reality of the Jordan all of a sudden hits, and you wonder, like, what the heck is going on, God? You chose the wrong time. Hey, you remember last Sunday? It rained like crazy. I mean, for California standards, it was crazy, yes? You remember that? I mean, people forgot how to drive. I mean, it was just nuts. And it got to a point where, I don't know if you had this conversation in your house, but it was like, dude, should we just stay home tonight? Like, it's just crazy out there. And actually, that night, uh, we decided, actually, we have a bunch of pastor friends, and so we had actually a bachelor party planned. It's a misnomer. It's, it's a pastor's going to, we always go to Palm Springs. It's not a bachelor, it's the mildest bachelor party you could imagine. We went to the spa. Uh, we went to the outlets. Talked about ministry. Gave advice on marriage. So we're like, we should do something, you know, manly. So we went to shoot guns. That was like the only thing. And then we got scared because it was like too loud. And you know, it was like <laughs> the mildest bachelor party. Anyways, so Sunday we get together and we're about to leave to go to Palm Springs. And literally, we were sitting there, and it was pouring like crazy. And we're like, dude, let's just wait it out. <laughs> I don't think we're going to make it to Palm Springs. That's the exact feeling that the people of God were facing. Think about it. God gives you this promise. You're going to go through. Victory is yours. And then you get to the river, and you're like, what? You know, commentators, they said at this point that the river is impassable. That's the word they used. It was impassable. So maybe you could imagine them saying, like, this is not, this is not, we're going to go back. This is not going to work. I don't know if you can relate with that. You feel like God has called you somewhere and all of a sudden, you hit an obstacle. And it seems so impossible. Like, you're like, what the heck, God? You just said, let's go this way. 
I'm following in obedience, and then it's not working out. Where are you? And this is so important because all of us will face this. God is calling you to something, and one day you will face your Jordan River where it looks impassable. And you think to yourself, God, I'm following you. What are you doing? Because this is not what I had imagined or expected would happen. I've had those moments in my life, too. You know, Chuck Swindoll tells a story about a young pastor that he had to counsel because uh, he went to south side of Chicago to become a minister. So he enrolled in seminary, and to pay for seminary, he became a bus driver. And it was a way for him to evangelize and kind of be in the community. And one day, uh, some people did not want to pay the bus fee, so he confronted them and said, hey, you guys need to pay. So instead of them paying, they dragged him outside and they beat him half to death. So at his hospital bed, he's sharing this with Chuck Swindoll. He said he cried out to God. And he said, God, why? Like, where are you in this? I'm here because you told me. You are calling me to this. How could this happen? And this is the thing, guys, my brothers and sisters. We will all face the harvest season of Jordan Rivers in our lives. And how will you respond? when it looks impassable. Well, this is why you get to the third point. Our focus during these impassable moments has to be the Lord. Amen? It has to be. Because God never promises that our life will be problem-free, right? If you follow him. It actually tells us the other thing. It guarantees that there's going to be stuff that happens. Real quick, James 1-2. It says this. One of the most difficult commands in all the Bible. Count it all joy, my brethren. When you, not if, but when you meet trials of various kinds. Not if, but when life throws obstacles your way. 1 Peter 4.12, real quickly. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. 1 John 3.13, do not be surprised, brothers, when the world hates you. There will be stuff that happens. But I do believe that one of the lessons that God tries to teach his people here, and I think he's trying to teach us, is this morning, your focus, even when it looks impassable, has to be me. If you look at verse 4, we talked about the Ark of the Covenant. And in Joshua 3, 4, it said this. There should be a distance between you and the Ark of the Covenant, or it. And it should be about 2,000 cubits in length. That's about 1,000 yards in our day and age. So he's saying, like, yeah, the Ark of the Covenant is going to go before you, but I want it to be a thousand yards ahead. Okay? Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way 
before. Now, first off, before we get into what this means, I want to talk about the Ark of the Covenant real quickly. If you could shut up the picture. This is the Ark of the Covenant, just so you know. Okay? It's a wooden chest overlaid with gold, and inside of it, right, there is the Ten Commandments, right? There's a kind of a jar of manna. There's Aaron's staff. And, you know, just things that are really meaningful for the people of God. But all you need to know, just, just so you don't get lost in the jargon of what this means, it represented God's presence in the Old Testament amongst his people. Okay? So wherever the Ark of the Covenant went, it was a representation of God's presence and protection with the people of God. So, with that said, God is literally saying, make sure you have the Ark of the Covenant go before, because you don't know where you're going, but that's okay, because God knows. So have it go a thousand yards ahead. Now the question is, why a thousand yards ahead? Anyone? Real quick, with the person next to you, why a thousand yards ahead? Real quick, just ask each other. Real quick, what do you think? Why a thousand yards ahead? What would be the point of that? It's so specific. Go ahead, real quick. Okay, uh, anyone? Okay, that's okay. I'm going to share anyways. All right. Uh, some people might say, well, because you don't want to die. You don't want to get close to it. Well, that's fine, too, but that, why not 100 yards? Why not 100 yards? Why not 10 yards? Why has it to be 1,000 yards? Well, I mean, all the commentaries I read is very super clear on this one truth. It's so that the focus, every single person, even though there was a, thousands of people, that every single soul could clearly see the ark. Not, the, not the, the waves on the side, not the person in front of them, but above the horizon, a thousand yards ahead, every single person can say, we are following the ark. We are following the presence of God. We're not following each other. That's not our strength. That's not our focus. We clearly are able to focus upon the ark and the presence of God leading us, and that is our strength and confidence. That's why. It's perspective. It helps to get your eyes off maybe the distractions around us and the obstacle before us, and you're able to focus upon the Lord. And perspective is so important, isn't it? Imagine, let's say you had a daughter in college. Any of you guys do? You don't have to raise your hands, but thank you if you did. Um, let's say Maddie was in college. Let's say I was the recipient of this letter, and she wrote this letter to me, and she said, sorry, Dad, for not keeping in contact. It's been a bit busy but I want to update you on what's been happening. Imagine you're the person receiving this letter. It says, I need you to sit down first. It's very important that you sit down. I fell out of my dorm window because there was a huge fire in my room because of the alcohol that was present at the party in my room. I'm fine. Just broke my arm and got a concussion. Luckily, a stranger took me to the hospital. He even invited me to live with him as I had no place to stay. He's a very nice guy. And actually, we decided to get married. The wedding will probably be in about four months uh, before the baby comes. Now, how would you feel? <laughs> At this point, how would you feel? Some of the fathers, the anger is starting to slowly rise. <laughs> 
So I know he will be a wonderful father, just like you were. And the letter ends like this. In actuality, there was no fire, no concussion. I'm not getting married, not pregnant. There's no man in my life. However, I wanted to tell you, I failed math and history. <laughs> I just wanted you to see this in its proper perspective. <laughs> perspective matters so much. And one of the things that God is trying to teach his people is this. Sometimes what you see before you doesn't make sense. But the proper perspective that God's people need to have is if God is leading me, he is enough. I need to trust in him and take steps forward. In your life, maybe you're facing an obstacle, but you feel like God's leading you. Don't get discouraged by the obstacle. Keep your eyes on him. You take steps forward in faith. I love what Paul, uh, David Tripp says here. He says, there is a crucial difference. There's a crucial difference between facing hard realities and allowing those realities to dominate the meditation of your heart. Here's what biblical faith does. It examines reality, but it makes the Lord its meditation. The more you meditate on your problems, the bigger and more insurmountable they seem to be. Meditating on God in the midst of your trouble reminds you once again that the God to whom grace has connected you is magnificent in his grandeur and glory. He is infinitely greater than any problems you could ever experience. Then your responses are shaped by his glory and not the seeming size of your problems. Amen? And this is the lesson he's trying to teach them. Because in a few chapters, you know what God's going to ask his people to do? You're in war? Blow some trumpets, man. You're like, what? But what's the lesson? There's the obstacle. Would you just follow and do it my way and know that I am enough for you? And I believe that that's the word that he has for us this morning. God is calling every one of us to something. Maybe it's to be a good parent. A good husband, good, good wife, good worker. Maybe he's calling you to do something amazing in your workplace for his kingdom. Maybe he's giving you a heart for missions or whatever it is, and you are sitting there and you're grinding away, and then you're thinking to yourself, what is going on, God? Where are you in this? Keep your eyes on him and take steps forward in faith because our God is enough. And he's trying to teach his people in their Jordan to say, focus on my presence. I will lead you. Even if you don't know where you're going, I am enough, and I know. It's easy for us to focus on the obstacle. I want to share a story with you, and this is from ESPN. I kind of like some ESPN stories. Did you guys watch 3430s? I love those. They're, they're so well made. This is one coming from a little far back. It's a guy named Patrick Hughes. He was born without eyes and some hardness of limbs. And the reason why I'm going to show this to you, it's a little bit lengthier, is because I want you to see, this is a man of faith, their whole family, the father and him. And instead of focusing on the obstacle, they keep their eyes on God and they take steps forward. I hope that you'll be encouraged. Take a look.
The piece is titled Claire de Lune, Light of the Moon. In the darkness of his eyes and through the sweetness of his hands, when Patrick Hughes plays, it is the music of possibility and the sound of promise. How would you describe your disabilities? Not disabilities at all, more abilities. Abilities everybody hears and sees at every Louisville football game. To understand how Patrick Hughes and his father became a two-person member of the Cardinal Marching Band, go back to when the music began. Born without eyes and with a tightening of the joints that prevents his limbs from ever straightening, Patrick has been blind and crippled from birth. It's just countless the number of dreams that, that die, and, and my wife and I were devastated. We just asked why us. We played by all the rules. We worked hard. We just didn't understand. Kisses for Dad. That heartbreak began to fade even before Patrick's first birthday from his first moments at the family's piano in Louisville, Kentucky. You could go up and, and hit a note no matter where it was on the, on the piano and within a, one or two tries he would find that exact note. By his second birthday, he was playing requests. Can you play You Are My Sunshine? Say Twinkle? I was just ecstatic that, you know, okay, we're not going to play baseball, but we're going to play music together. And that was, that was really exciting. Let's see how far we can run with this. Fitted with artificial eyes and placed in a wheelchair, as Patrick grew, so did his passion and his talent. He played old standards by grade school and blues numbers by high school. By the time he arrived at the University of Louisville this year, his musical ability on piano as well as trumpet was well known throughout the city. I said, Patrick, you need to be a part of the marching band. <laughs> and their reaction was um, just a little bit of a pause. My dad and I are hearing this and we're like, uh, right. I mean, how in the heck am I supposed to march? The next step was working out what we needed to make happen in order for Patrick to be involved in the marching band, other than just parking on the sidelines and playing his instrument. I said, well, if Dr. Burns that impassioned about it and Patrick wants to do it, then by golly, I'll give it my all as well. So it was decided Patrick would play and Dad would push. As part of the 214-member Louisville Marching Band, a blind and wheelchair-bound trumpet player and his able-bodied father do it all together. From the pre-game drill practice, to the march around the stadium, to the halftime performance in front of thousands. Dad rolls and rotates his son across the field in mostly perfect formation. He'll sometimes end up pushing me a little quicker than normal, so that pretty much means, hey, must have done something wrong, so. 
He's got to hurry up to get me to the right spot. Dip. Spin. In order to be at every band practice. I'm too slow on the spin. And to sit beside his son in every class. Question? Yes. How do you come up with all the... Patrick's father works the graveyard shift for UPS. How would you describe a work day for your dad? Poor thing. Uh, he goes to work about 11 o'clock at night, Monday through Thursday nights, and then gets in at about 6 and, and goes to bed at about 6 and sleeps till around 11. By the time Patrick moves from his bed into his wheelchair each morning, Dad is ready to begin their day together. He's, he's my hero. I've told him before. Uh, what he goes through, it's taught me that I don't really have any complaints. I guess a father couldn't ask for, for any more than, than the relationship that I have with Patrick. God made me blind and unable to walk, big deal. He gave me the ability to, the musical gifts I have and the great opportunity to meet new people. That's your fans, buddy. Maybe when they hear him play, they recognize, wow, you know, imagine the possibilities I didn't even consider when I saw this young man that I now know from hearing him play. So whether it be on a field playing the Louisville fight song or at the piano playing Claire de Lune, in a sense, the melody is the same. Patrick Hughes plays so that we might hear the music of opportunity and the sound of potential. One of the beautiful things that you see here is that you see obstacle after obstacle. And it could have been easy for them to just be like, it's just too much, I can't do it. And all of us would have been like, yes. Yeah, you, more than enough, you, you've, your burden is great. But instead of that, they just kept their eyes on the Lord. It's amazing, if you follow his story, Patrick Hughes got an ESPN kind of award. When he accepted it, you know what the first thing he said? He said, I want to thank my God who has done great things for me. That's called keeping your eyes in meditation upon the God who loves us, who leads us, and who is enough for us. Lastly, um, I want you to know that this is all because God's presence is made through his son, Jesus Christ, that we all have access to. Did you know that Jesus was actually baptized in the Jordan River? And so it's kind of a, really a good reminder that this really shows us our spiritual journey from the wilderness of sin into the promised land of salvation through the bridge and presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that way, we don't just have peace, we have the Prince of Peace with us. And so whatever obstacle you are facing, know that God loves you. He is enough. You can trust in him. Keep him as your focus to guide you through the wilderness and through the chaos of life. I want to end just with this verse. If you would look at Isaiah 43, 1. And this is a promise, and I believe it's really powerful, and it's for all of us here. It says this. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. 
When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored. And I love you, and I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. That's our God and his care for us. He's enough. My brothers and sisters, he's enough. Do you mind saying that with the person next to you? He's enough. Do you mind saying that? Can you declare it? Don't be shy. Yeah, with the person next to you. Yeah, he's enough for us. Whatever situation you're facing, he's enough. In your personal Jordans, may his presence be so ever-present before us that our eyes cannot be taken off it, regardless of how chaotic the storms are around us. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you that you are a God that loves us, that you, Jesus Christ, you came on this earth to die on the cross so that we would be able to experience life forever with you in your presence. It is something that we do not want to take lightly. I know at times this world will throw obstacles and trials and difficulties we face, and it will shake us. Our confidence, our faith sometimes wanes. Forgive us for that. But we ask for greater faith, God. We ask for bigger eyes to see you more clearly in our lives, God. So help us in this, we pray. And in your name, amen.